Good evening. Welcome again uh, to another Q&R, another fireside chat. Uh, we're glad and very thankful to the Lord that we could all be here together. So uh, we're going to continue tonight uh, with responding to our que uh, the questions that are coming in. And uh, there are going to be a mix of questions uh, on a number of different uh, subjects. And uh, as we have in the past, uh, sometimes we may ask the questions uh, as if they are our own. And other times we will just read the questions as they are and we will let you know when we're doing that. Um, and so this evening, uh, we're being joined uh, by Brother Bob Henry, who's uh, joining us from California, although he's usually in Dusseldorf. And, no, I'm in Dusseldorf. Uh, oh, he's in Dusseldorf. Okay, yep. he made it. <laughs> He's back in Dusseldorf. Amen. And then um, uh, we have Brother Chris with us again, who's uh, with, joining us from Good Elam. And, uh, and then we have uh, another brother with us tonight, joining us from London, Brother Paul Cook. Amen. 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 And so uh, the, these three brothers will be our panel tonight, and we will... Uh, uh, be asking, uh, directing the questions to them. Uh, so with that, I think, uh, Trevor, you're up. Well, it's good to, it's good to be back another Lord's day. And I think we're on our, we're on our sixth Q and R now. Is this, this is six. I think we determined this is six. Yeah. Um, Okay, so tonight, uh, like Nathaniel said, we're going to go over a lot of questions, uh, different types of categories. This first category, I think, um, for sure, for sure, this is a question that I have, um, and I think so many of us also have when when we preach the gospel to someone, and you know, they, they have different responses and a very common response that I've gotten is, uh, how do I share the gospel with someone that says that all gods are the same and that the God that you believe in, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, also known as Jesus Christ is no different than any other God that I believe in or that anyone else believes in. And so it doesn't really matter which God we necessarily believe in. And this, this question is a very common one uh, when you go out the gospel with people. And I want to direct this one towards Brother Paul here, if he can maybe give some of his experiences. And then like every other Lord's Day, the other brothers, if they have a feeling, they can jump in and, and also share. So Brother Paul, can you, can you take this one away? Well, <clears throat> this is very interesting. It's a very interesting um, question. But I will use a lot of my experiences in my human life and also uh, in my travels to see if we can help. But before I start, I would like to uh, read there's a verse in first, uh, uh, Second Corinthians 4 4. It says, In whom the God of this age have blind, has blinded the thoughts of the unbelievers that the illumination of the gospel of the glory of Christ, 
who is the image of God might not well, shine in them. Don't forget, there's G-O-D. It's God's small G-O-D-S. And we have capital G-O-D. These are two things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the first G-O-D is the unique God. And then we have G-O-D-S are gods. This gods is what? It's just the enemy, Satan, who is a deceiver. These gods are the deceiving ones that deceive many people, right? Number one, what did they do? They blind their thoughts, blind their thoughts. They blind their understanding. Mm that the gospel will not flash through their being, that they will not receive the Lord as light to illuminate them, to shine in their being. So number one, I need to explain too, it shows that a lot of people, they yes, there are gods, but this God is not the capital G-O-D. And in my travels, especially through Africa, you know, they worship many things. And especially also through, um, you know, Sri Lanka, they, they worship, you know, the Buddhism. The, I mean, I met so many of these things. There are certain stories I can't tell you on this panel. If I tell you, I think they will shoot me. So I will not do that. <laughs> because there's so many experiences that I have met so many people that were believing into some of these gods, and later on when they became Christians, believe me, they are classic Christians, loved the Lord, gave their entire being to the Lord because there is a huge difference between the capital G-O-D and the small G-O-D-S. So I believe that if whenever you are preaching the gospel to people, especially in the colleges or on the campuses, you got to make this point very clear, extremely clear, that my God is the unique God. There is a unique God, of course. We admit that they are gods. Yes, they are gods. They, underneath those gods is the enemy, Satan. He can do many things. Those gods can do a lot of things, but they are not the unique God. So many times when I come in contact with the Spirit, people or I try to explain it to them and also not only I own testimonies, my experiences, because coming from Africa, I know and I have seen many of these guys. I have seen many, many. I, I can write a book about it. But honestly saying they are not effective. <laughs> my God is effective. <laughs> he is the unique trying God who became the life-giving spirit in my spirit. Saints, I think I love him so much. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe Brother Bob can help out with that. <laughs> Amen. I, I might just add um, uh, one thing, Paul, to what you said. Um, is, uh, um, you know, in, in your... Uh, in your relationship with these people, 
um, number one, you, you've got to really pray for them. Mm -hmm. and 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 you have to pray pray for an opening because because they think they've got it all figured out mm -hmm. and and it's going to take some prayer to open them and somehow you have to start to sow the seeds that the bible is the word <laughs> of god and as you sow the seed into them you know and you look for the opportune time just just uh, scatter the seed, you know, and just sow it a little bit. Start to sow that the Bible's the Word of God. And then once you establish that the Bible's the Word of God, now you can establish uh, that in the Bible, there's a, there's a goal, there's a purpose, um, there's someone who wrote the Bible. And that, and once you do that, now all the other gods uh, go by the wayside. No other God has the Bible. The Bible, the Bible just in itself proves that there is God. Mm. I heard somebody say once, if God didn't write the Bible, whoever wrote the Bible is God. Yeah. And, and so, so our Bible is really, the Bible is really the secret weapon and we lay the groundwork with the Bible and then, and then, once uh, once the groundwork is laid, then you begin to talk about what's in the Bible. And what's in the Bible is so amazing. The revelation is so far above anything that any anybody else can present. Yeah. Um, uh, um, then then you can begin to 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 move the uh, sway them. Anyway, that's that's all I got. I I just be really quick too. I'm, <clears throat> yeah. I think I think both the brothers put their finger on it. Um, this last point that Bob made, I would just want to underscore uh, the unique thing about our God. I mean, Paul Paul is right, man. There's a lot of gods, and they'll throw you know they'll throw what about the Hindus and what about Buddha and what about this and that. Well, I know Paul's seen a lot of you know pagan religion and false gods in Africa. And I've seen them in places like Myanmar, in India, mm. in remote parts of China, and mm. Japan, in Korea. Mm. And I've been to temples, I've been to all kinds of temples. I, I've been, I've been, I, I actually got a course from one of the top shaman Buddhist instructors in the world. He's world famous. And we got to sit in on one of his lectures, kind of lectures. So I, and I saw walking around this beautiful temple in the woods in this remote part of China, saw all these uh, idols, these different gods. Everyone I've seen, doesn't matter whether they're Hindu, Buddhist, Taoist, all these other gods, they all have, they all have a couple things in common. <laughs> They never speak. <laughs> they never say a word. They got nothing to say. <laughs> they're dumb. They're dumb. They're dumb. <laughs> yeah, they're just dumb. And they and they all the only way you can perceive them is if they somebody makes a statue of them. And then they cover it with gold or some kind of stuff to try to make it real. So there's a verse that one of my favorite verses. Um, 
when I preach the gospel, as in Galatians 1, Paul says, but when it pleased God yeah. to set me apart in my mother's womb yeah. to reveal <clears throat> his son in me, mm -hmm. our God is the only one that can reveal himself in you. So I've just, sometimes I've just challenged people. Why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask Buddha? Why don't you ask any of your, any of the Hindu, any of the other, you just ask them to reveal themselves in you or speak to you. You won't get an answer, I guarantee you. But if you really ask our God mm. to reveal himself in you, it mm. says in verse 15, when it pleased God, mm. this, make, this is what makes God happy. Mm. He loves someone to challenge him this way. Mm -hmm. See if he will reveal himself in you. None of the others will. This is the difference. Mm. So our God speaks. Amen. And he reveals. Amen. Amen. Very good. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, brothers. And we actually um, have another question kind of along this line of the gospel too and um i'll direct this one first to brother chris and the question is uh how do i explain to my friend that just being a good person isn't enough uh, why does she have to be a christian uh why can't she just live her whole life doing good deeds as an atheist and this is a common question we encounter all the time. There are many atheists who do strive to live in a, in a, in a uh, moral way. In fact, sure. their justification for uh, being an atheist is that they are striving to be moral. Uh, they don't need God for that reason. So this is something we commonly encounter when we're preaching the gospel. Um, well, I'm going to... I really want to other brothers to uh, to help out on this. I'll just yeah. give a little, I'll give a little thought, but I want to save uh, at least ample time or equal time for uh, Bob and, and Paul. Um, yeah, because this is really you know the common thought, and it it comes from just a complete misunderstanding and misconception of what God is, right, and. We think it's a matter of, you know, I think the, the common thought is you've got, it's this, there's this, if there is a God and if there is a heaven, then there's got to be this big scale in the heavens, right? With a, and all of our good goes over here and all of our bad goes over here. And then, you know, if the good outweighs the bad, we get in. That's kind of the, that's kind of the uh, secular gospel you know, kind of the secular gospel. And humanists, kind of, they would never couch it that way because they would say they don't believe in heaven or hell. And, but, they, but basically, they operate on the same system. And so they all, take, they all take comfort in the fact that fundamentally, they're a good person. They're, they're a good person. I, you know, I gave a little bit of my testimony a couple of weeks ago and revealed, you know, that, I mean, man, I had a pretty, pretty dark uh, background. But even, even then, 
brothers, saints, even when I was just drenched living in sin, I still, in my, in my head, I still had this idea. I'm basically still a pretty good person. Yeah. I'm not mean to people. You know, I'm kind of kind and this and that. But, you know, when God shines in you, mm. when light finally comes, that whole notion of a scale of good and bad just gets evaporated in mm. the intensity of the light of God. Mm. Because he actually showed me before I ever knew there was such a verse in the Bible. The night I opened and turned my being to him, he, he showed me that my best, the best I'd ever done, Paul, yeah. was filthy, <laughs> was filthy to him. I mean, on the one hand, we, and a lot of Christians think that the bar actually, in, in the gospel, the bar gets lowered so that everybody can get over it. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> the real gospel reveals the righteousness of God. That's Romans 3. Am I right? Yeah. The real gospel reveals that God is both love <clears throat> and righteousness. Mm. Only his righteousness surpasses the best we are capable of by mm. such, a, such a distance <clears throat> that there's no possibility which then makes you, if you're now, what now, the light shines, so now I realize, whoa, I, I'm, I'm in way more trouble than I thought. And I remember having that exact sensation. I'm in much worse trouble than I thought. And I hmm. figured I'm probably going to have a little trouble. <laughs> but then I got quite, quite certain I, I'm going to have a lot of trouble here. Then when you hear the good news, that it's not that he lowered the bar. It's that he puts us into one who clears the bar effortlessly. Mm. Yeah. And so that, I just think that part of the problem, brothers, we really need to, and this maybe we'll have another time with the other brothers. Like I said, I don't want to go too long, but mm. I, I think our gospel needs to incorporate the righteousness of God and God's righteousness. And mm. you need to get them in the right sequence. Mm. And then that makes the gospel much more powerful. Mm. In fact, Paul says there again in Romans 3, if you read it, I think it's 20, 23 or 25. I forget. It's been a while. I should have looked at it before this, this time. But he actually says that the righteousness of God is the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Amen. We think it's the love of God that's declared in the gospel, but actually the love of God is, you know, that's the heart of the gospel, but the power of the gospel is God's righteousness. Okay. So Bob, Paul, help me out. Yep. You know, uh, just, I'm going to tell you a lot of stories. I like stories. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're good at stories. I like your stories, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, a lot of Christians have this concept. You know, it's good. All human beings, they are very good. I'm a good guy. He's a very good person. He, you know, saints. Only God is good. Only God is good. 
right? Holy God is good, right? Now, when the person received the Lord, he received another life. You receive another life. He don't receive good or bad or evil. No. Good, evil, knowledge, they are all coming from the same tree. The guy can be very, very good, but he still have a certain part of him that is more evil. Anyone that goes out and says that, oh, I'm a good person, that guy have another part you don't know. <laughs> he don't know that part. So uh, there was a story, you know, this guy was a very good, very good guy to his family, very good guy, but this guy is an armed robber, right? He robs people. One time he shot this guy, killed him, and robbed the bank. Now, when he brought this money to the house to look after the family, to the family, he's a very good man. <laughs> very good guy. <laughs> you know, he's a very good man. Okay. Now, but to the security guy that was shot, to his family, that man is an evil man. He killed <laughs> He killed my uncle. <laughs> you understand? So it's not a matter of good or I did good deeds or no, no. It's receiving another life. Mankind needs the life of God. Period. Mm. Mm. Period. You know, without the life of God, saints, or, you know, believe me, you are just like anyone else. Amen. So it's not a matter of oh, I did good deeds or no. Man needs God. Amen. Good. Very well. <laughs> Man needs God. <laughs> um, you know, if it was just a matter of good, um, you know, why didn't, if it's just a matter of good, why didn't God just create a bunch of robots? <laughs> And, and the robots and the robots just always do good. You know, he could do that. He could just make, he could just make everybody good. If, if that's what God wants, then, you know, he, he could easily do it. So I just enjoyed what the brothers shared. Um, I want to add one thing, a story, you know, I had when I was first a Christian after I got saved. Um, I moved in with some brothers and lived with these brothers. And I remember sitting at the dinner table with them and, uh, and then they would begin to pray, Lord, thank you for the blood. And uh, I'd begin to think to myself, I wonder what those brothers did today. <laughs> you know, um, you know, cause in, in my realization, I was, I was fine. I was pretty good, but those brothers must have did something pretty bad if they're, they're asking for the Lord's blood. And, uh, you know, it took me a few years before I started to realize that I also needed the Lord's blood. Amen. Um, but I think, I think this is our condition is, is man, generally, man thinks they're pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and we set the bar, we set the standard. And whatever we set the standard are at, we kind of, everybody kind of gets over that standard. Um, but the problem is, is that in the Bible, the Bible, God sets the standard. Mm. And that standard, that standard is be perfect as your heavenly mm. father is perfect. Mm. And that standard is way too high. Nobody, mm. 
nobody can do this so we need to get into the one like brother chris shared you know we need to get into the one who has gone over the standard and when we're in him then we can we can get over this over the standard mm. uh, of of god's uh righteousness and god's requirement mm. Mm. you know nicodemus nicodemus was a good guy but <laughs> <laughs> well, i used to wonder why does the guy came in the night to see the Lord? why <laughs> he needed life you know yeah. it's not a matter of being good or right. i mean right i mean you need someone who can impart his life. There's a tree of life and a tree of good and knowledge and evil. They are all on the same tree. That's mm. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we get deceived ourselves all the time to think that I am a good guy. No, I'm a very good person. It, it's, it's false. You are not. <laughs> no one. No, yeah. no, no. You know. You know. Hey, Paul. I, I learned so much from this right. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you just reminded me you know actually that is a really good that is a really good chapter john chapter three yeah to use on a person like that yeah and you couple it with chapter four right yeah because <laughs> yeah, in chapter three you got the good guy yeah <laughs> who's really good and 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 the lord exposed him yeah. in his goodness right yeah. So it wasn't a matter of his goodness. But he gets in eventually. Yeah. Then the next chapter, you got the woman at the well. Yeah. The opposite. <laughs> and he exposes her in her sinfulness. That's right. Yeah. And she also gets in. <laughs> so it's not a matter of good or bad. It's a matter no, of no, no. you got to have another life. You must I be. Another life. You gotta have another life. You must be born again. You must drink of the living born again. Amen. Chapters together. You cover the distance between good people and good Amen. Very good. Amen. Amen. Well, we're we're rolling here, brothers. this is this is pretty good. I I'm digging, I'm digging where this is going. I've got I've got the third question coming down the pipe right now. And basically, um, this one has to do a, a lot with, um, uh, you know, in the work environment and our interaction with unbelievers in the world. Hmm. Um, a lot of times we can be surrounded by people who are speaking about things that are totally inappropriate um, because obviously they haven't had the light shine on them that they're horrible sinners. And we, uh, we tend to uh, judge them. You know, they could be talking about uh, fornication. They could be talking about uh, binge drinking on the weekend and just really, really sinful things. And, I, and I'm surrounded by them at work. And I, and I find myself a lot of times just turning and, and judging that person, you know, yeah. inwardly. Inwardly, I end up sinning because I'm now judging the person for their sins. And um, it's, uh, anyway, I just, I just want to know, I'm going to aim this one at, at Brother Bob. I just want to know, how do you, how do you uh, interact with people in the work environment like this, where I can still be approachable, uh, mm -hmm. relatable, and mm -hmm. they can, 
they they would want to possibly open up to me um mm. and i wouldn't i wouldn't be so judgmental and then mm. there's a there's a part two to this question but i kind of want to just leave it with that right now mm -hmm. yeah um th there's there's a couple couple directions here that i'd like to just share about i, I think um first of all um we really have to have a heart for man mm -hmm. and 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 um kind of all this all this kind of judging and stuff comes from a, a kind of a self-righteousness where we, mm. we somehow think that we're we're a little better or 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 something like that you know and and that is really just not the case and you know i i just feel like um in these cases uh, my my feeling when i was you know in, in my workplace, um, my my feeling is that uh, you know I I'm eating steak, you know I, I eat steak every day, you know, beautiful, thick, rich, juicy steak, and they're eating dog food, mm. and 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 I feel sorry, I feel sorry that they have to eat that stuff. I mean that's a terrible life. I was there. I mean, I wanted out. Mm. I wanted to get out of that. I just remember going home so lonely and so miserable, you know, and I just feel so sorry. I feel so sorry, you know, that this is, this is what you've got for enjoyment. Let me tell you what I've got. You know, I go home with my life full of meaning, full of worth, mm. full of joy. You know, and, 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 and you've got this. So when you're really in the situation, when I'm in the situation, generally I just flee, mm. you know, I just flee, you know, I, I gotta go, uh, you know, no, no judgment. I just gotta go, I, I, you know, I'm busy. And then, and then individually, you know, they begin to know your person mm. and they begin to know who you are. And the more they mm -hmm. know who you are, and the more you mm -hmm. you speak to them, not in a crowd, but individually, they know who you are. Mm -hmm. They won't. They won't. They won't say those things around you. Uh, mm -hmm. They won't even. They won't even say bad bad jokes around dirty mm -hmm. jokes around. Mm -hmm. You know. So um, uh, um, generally, just to answer the question, I I flee it. But the way that I rid myself from any kind of bitterness is just the realization that. Wow, I am so happy. I can't tell you, brothers and sisters, how happy I am that the Lord saved me. Amen. You know, and saved me and brought me into the church. Uh, this, um, this rescued me. I, I mean, I, I'm, I can't, I can't thank the Lord enough. My whole life got rescued mm. out of out of a life of misery. I just mm. remember those mm. empty days. I still mm. remember them. They just mm. kind of sit in my gut sometimes, those mm. empty days. But, but uh, you know, and you've got to believe that those guys talk about that stuff. They are empty. Yeah. Empty, exactly empty, right. empty. Amen. Longing. Oh, I was good. seemingly a happy guy, you know, but people didn't know in my gut, I was just waiting for someone to talk to me mm. and tell me, Tell me about this. Mm. Tell me about what the meaning of my life was. Mm. I had no idea. <clears throat> mm. 
So, so anyway, um, I think, I think we just have to have the, you know, just the proper realization that these mm -hmm. guys really, they're, they're longing. Why, why do they, why do they dream? Why are mm -hmm. they, because they're looking for something. Mm -hmm. They want something. They're mm -hmm. hungry. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, you know, I, I work in one place for so many years before I start to sell full time. And um, the first point you have to know about unbelievers is you were the same like them before. We, we were, we were, we were, we were sinners. We were all sinners before we got saved. And we all have a certain life that we lived before we got saved. Okay. So when I work with these guys, and I work, you know, I was working in the kitchen where the people swear, you know, there's a lot of swearing. This, they, they, they talk a lot of them. <clears throat> but I worked with them for 12 years. I was there in their midst. I enjoy the Lord so much in the morning, then I go to work. Then I exercise my spirit when I am with them by calling from within. Then I, when they speak certain things that is too much for me, then I go to the toilet, lock myself up, and call and come back again. When I come back, they, they marvel, man, what kind of a man is this guy here? <laughs> so I was with them day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. But I leave before them. I just leave before them. Like Bob said, when I, I am with them one-on-one, -on -one, I tell them my story. I tell them, listen to me. Listen, I did worse than you. you look, I, I should drink more than you did. <laughs> look, you need another drink. <laughs> you know, I, I just tell them, listen, you don't need this thing. This thing will kill you. It nearly killed me because I'm telling you my story. <laughs> so the more you don't live like, you know, you're so weird. You know, I don't talk about this thing. I'm different. No, no. You got to be talking to them like normal human beings. You know, sometimes we try. We are a little spiritual. That's why we struggle. When you begin to be too spiritual, then you can't get close to them. Of course, you're not going to do what you're doing because you did it before. There's nothing they're talking about that you don't know. There's nothing they've done that you've never done before. <laughs> you understand? But now that you have received another life, you have received another life, and they don't have that life. <laughs> you understand? They don't have that. That's why they keep doing the things they're doing. So slowly, they, they start to observe you. I mean, I don't know how many of those guys that I work with got saved. Didn't get saved because I preach the gospel directly because they saw the way I lived, <laughs> and then it came to a point when I was there. I became when they have problems. Oh, Paul, can I talk to you? Can I, I mean I became like Joseph? I was ruling over everyone there. <laughs> telling when they have problems, they come to me. <laughs> Why? Because they saw something. They saw another life in me. Saints, it's all about how you live before them. It's not what you say, what you tell them. No, it's not as to how much you tell them. No, you can tell them a lot, but your life don't reflect what you say. But if your life reflects what you're saying, man, they get mad. This guy have God. Right. Hallelujah. So, yeah. I, I mean, 
I, I just loved him. Yeah. God loves him. Because we were all sinners. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen, Chris. Hey, brothers. <laughs> have we got time? Uh, I have one little story on this point. Uh, yeah. Okay. This was really an interesting story. I totally relate to everything Bob and, and Paul said in a minute. So uh, this is like in the early 2000s. Um, and, there, and I'm now serving full-time at, at, a, at a ministry, right? A ministry in California. Uh, and I'm a full-time full uh, serving, serving the Lord person. That's my, that's my quote job right? And there were a number of us that were, that, that were together, serving together at this, uh, in this ministry in California. And several of us used to play a lot of basketball, either in high school or college. And, and you know, we kind of had always kept that a part of our, that's how we got exercise. <laughs> so there was a gym close to this uh, campus where we were serving, this ministry campus. There was a public gym it was actually Salvation Army Gym. And a number of us used to go over there every day, or three or four times a week at least. Some were playing racquetball, some were working on the weights, but a number of us were playing basketball. And the most of the guys that came were about our age. By now, I'm in my early 50s. Some of the other brothers were a little younger, but there were some older ones, even Ron King, as some of you know Ron, he used to come. He was a racquetball player. Anyway, we were all going to this gym. And the atmosphere was good because all the guys that came, most of them were our age, middle-aged businessmen. And the biggest number of them worked for the city government in Anaheim, California. So they were all like, you know, clean, middle-class, up very, you know, proper, proper people. And so the atmosphere was good. And then the city built them their own gym. And so they all moved to this new gym. And we couldn't come because we weren't city employees. So... By then, most of the brothers dropped off, but me and one other, one other brother, I won't give his name, um, he was a good basketball, he was a good baller. He was six, he's six foot nine, and he could play. That's, you know, that's over two meters, I think. Yeah, that's two meters plus. And I was pretty good. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't great, but I was pretty good. I was a good shooter. So, you know, if you can shoot, it doesn't matter what a horrible... Uh, athlete you might be if you can shoot there's always a place for you in a basketball court and I could pass I could only do those two things okay so then in in one day and it's just us and so we're just shooting baskets he and me and then in rolls these three Cadillac Escalades you know what I'm talking about Cadillac Escalade that is like the big black shiny SUV with dark tinted windows and they're usually driven in Southern California by one kind of person. <laughs> and the doors open on these big escalades and out rolls the brothers. You know what I mean? These guys were right from Compton. Compton is like the hard, dark ghetto in SoCal. And man, a guy that looks like me would never go into Compton, especially after dark. And so we, here they came, about 12 of them, at least 10 of them, 
moving into the gym. And you know, they had these big gold chains on and these flashy clothes, man, and they had these sneakers that were all, you know, $200. And um, these guys were, and then they had this logo on the back of their SUVs, West Coast Mafia Records. West Coast Mafia Records. The lead dog in this crew was a former NFL football player who's about six foot seven, weighed about 250 pounds. Wow. And he was an all-American football player in college, and he played in the NFL, and he was really a good athlete. But he owned this record company that was a rap, a rap company, a rap label. So these guys were all rap artists coming out of Compton. You've got to get the picture. I hope you can relate. And then they're meeting this other brother. And we look at each other and we're thinking, well, we better get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, honestly, I, and, but I, I mean, you know, I've been around and I'd played basketball in some pretty, pretty rough neighborhoods before. And I know what it's like and the language, and the whole thing is really rough. I mean, it's really rough. And the other brother, uh, his name is Matt. I'll just say, so anyway, it's fine. Matt, we, he knew too, because he played in college and he played with these people. be bad. And then we said, well, you know, we've both been here before. We didn't have any judgment. I had no judgment or criticism in me because I knew exactly what Bob was saying. I knew exactly what Paul was saying. They're just like that because they're thirsty and empty. Yeah, that's right. So where there was no criticism or, I mean, you know, I didn't want to listen to all the stuff and they would put their big boot in those days. They had boom boxes, you know, the big things that you bring in on your shoulder, <laughs> crank it up and the windows shake. I didn't want to listen to that. I didn't want to listen to the language, but we just decided, well, let's just keep coming and see what happens. Of course, the first five times, six times, we never touched the ball. We got in the games, but we would never see the ball. You know, and because they thought these guys, they're judging us, they're criticizing us. And so we never saw the ball. And they were hoping we would leave. But we just hung in there. And then the big guy came to me one day after we played in the, in the shower. Hey, what do you guys do? What do you guys do? Why are you hanging with us? You, boy, you crackers. Why are you crackers hanging with us? That's how they would talk in those days. And I said, oh, we, we work at this uh, Christian ministry down the road. Yeah, really? Oh, so you're like Christians? Yeah. He said, you know, we're pretty rough. We've been talking pretty bad. You're Christians. How come you're hanging? Well, we like you guys. <laughs> You don't scare us. We like you. So the next day, we roll in. We go in. We get on the floor. Right away, we both get picked up in the first game. And then some new guys walk in. And pretty soon, they start, you know, their language. One after another. One after another. One after another. Just this and that and this and that and this and that. And, and, and this guy stands up. And he slams the ball down on the floor and it goes almost up and he hits the roof and everybody goes stone cold silent. And he said, Hey, you see these two guys, 
These are my bros. These are my bros. They're our brothers too. You think you're the brothers? These are the brothers. <laughs> We're gonna take care of them. We're gonna take care of them and you clean it up. You hear me? You understand me? And man, I'll tell you, when he spoke, they all listened, boy. They all listened. <laughs> we, we played with them for five years. They ended up loving us. They, would, they kept it clean. They policed themselves just because they realized we weren't judging them. Mm -hmm. we, we loved them. And they, they, they honored our standard. And several of them wanted to hear the gospel. Some of them got to me, And I still hear from that big guy. You know what he sends me every year? I love it. He sends me a Christmas card. And I treasure <laughs> that Christmas card when I get it. <laughs> so you just, just don't compromise. Don't compromise your testimony. Don't judge. Just live Christ like Paul said. And you'll you'll be amazed at how the atmosphere will change. Amen. Sorry, it takes a while. That's good. Wonderful. <laughs> Amen. Very good. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. Well, we're kind of shifting gears now a little bit. Um, the question now is a little bit more related to um, to prayer. Uh, and I'm going to direct this to Brother Chris. And um, the question is, you know, uh, especially in these times that we're in with the pandemic, um, you know, we, we hear a lot sometimes that we need to pray for, um, for kind of big things, you know, like for the world situation. Uh, we need to pray for the Lord's interests, all these kind of things. And um, so in that kind of context you can feel like you know praying for my personal needs or feelings or circumstances is not the prayer that the lord needs so then you know a lot of times you feel guilty to even pray about things that you that you personally need um even you know you feel selfish and but at the same time, again and again, we hear the brothers encouraging us to converse with the Lord and tell him about everything that's going on with us. And, you know, I know he cares for me, but how do these prayers that I'm praying about my own things, how do they actually meet his need? How do they help him accomplish what he's after? Um, so the first part of this question is, can you offer any fellowship about praying for personal matters and needs? as opposed to prayer for God's need. And then uh, as a kind of corollary to that, um, I also feel sometimes that uh, prayers for God's need are really high prayers. And it's sometimes I just feel extremely short in my ability to pray this kind of prayer. You know, I know that I should, but I just feel like I don't have the authority. I don't have the life, the maturity for such prayer. And so I want to, but I feel a lack. So as a result, I kind of feel discouraged to even start praying in that way. So these are the two things. On the one hand, how do I pray for the my personal matters, the things that are, you know, that I'm personally concerned for, while also praying for what God needs. But at the same time, in praying for what God needs, how do I how do I pray adequately? 
Hmm. Uh, that's a really, really good question, and it's really timely. Um, Daniel, I appreciate it a lot. And um, particularly now where there's, you know, I mean, all kinds of, all kinds of believers all over the earth are real, having a realization right now that their, first of all, their prayer life is inadequate. And B, second, in this environment, when God is so clearly, obviously, trying to get something through to the earth, and especially to his people on the earth, there's just an urgency to pray. Mm. Okay, so I hope that the conflict that this dear saint is having is, is maybe initiated by that feeling of urgency and then just not knowing what to quite to do. I, okay, I mean, I, so let me give the answer a couple ways. The simple answer, which is, which is the absolutely, this is my answer and I'm sticking to it, but it's a simple answer. There are no wrong prayers. There are no wrong prayers. It's not wrong to pray for your needs. <laughs> the Lord says with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. <laughs> right? And he tells us, in nothing be anxious. Mm. Right? Mm. How do you not be anxious? Bob, you're a business guy. I was in business before I started serving the Lord. Man, I knew a lot about anxiety, trying to mm. get a business going from scratch and just being over the barrel and not knowing the next day. You know? Mm. How do you not be anxious? The only thing I could figure out to not be anxious was to tell the one who could help me through it. Mm. I prayed a lot of prayers for my, for my need because I was really, he had stretched me in a situation to the point where I thought I was going to break in two. Mm. And I prayed a lot of prayers. And you know, he answered not every prayer, not in the way I thought, not in the time I wanted, but he answered. So it is not wrong to pray for our needs. The point and the reason that we're hearing this kind of ministry is that most of the time, that's the only prayer life that we have. So because it's, it's, because it's all centered on my needs, mm -hmm. it, fluctuates according to whether I'm in a position of need and stress or whether I'm doing well mm. for the time. You understand? Mm. Yeah. If our prayer life is totally consumed with our own needs, then the only time I pray is when he puts me in a bad place. Mm. But he wants me to pray, so I'm just almost inviting him to keep putting me in a bad place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> the, key is, the key is to get the center of your prayer on his need mm. instead of your need. Yes. Now, in that kind of prayer, there is the opportunity for your need to be addressed mm. because we're caring for his need. Mm. Mm. 
You think he's not going to take care of our need? Mm -hmm. You think he doesn't know, Bob? Mm -hmm. you got payroll to meet this week? Mm -hmm. You don't, you know? But if you're caring for his need, he's going to care for your need. Mm -hmm. Somehow, payroll's going to be met again. Mm -hmm. So that's the second way to answer, which is not quite as simple. The simple answer is, it's not wrong. Mm -hmm. There's no problem. Pray for mm. what you, but realize, A, he already knows what you need, but it's okay to remind him. Mm. He doesn't mind, mm. but what he's really after is what he wants to know if you know what he needs. Mm -hmm. Now, those are the deeper, bigger prayers. Mm -hmm. Amen. And sometimes in our just spending time with him. You know, a lot these days, I just walk. I mean, I start out and I, I call on him and I exercise my spirit a little bit and I just then try to open. And then I just and Sometimes I just say, Lord, I want to listen. What would you say today? What, what's in your heart today? I don't want to just think of something that I think is profound and weighty to pray for. Mm. What, what do you want me to pray? Mm. And many times he will come with just a little feeling, just a nudge. Mm. And then I begin to pray that. And then as I pray a little bit, a little more comes mm. and a little more comes. But honestly, saints, in these days, mostly, when I enter into those kind of prayers, it's when I'm with two or three others mm. who mm. are similarly focused. Wow. None of us may know, but we all have a heart to know. Mm. Lord, what is on your heart today? Mm -hmm. And it's in that small group prayer mm. that most often we touch the match it gets struck. You know what mm. I mean? You got a match and a rock and mm -hmm. and the, the fire is lit. I experience the fire much more often when I'm with a small group of saints, mm. starting with my wife and mm. then the others the Lord has placed me with. Mm. That's when I get the fire. Mm. So consider your needs in the context of his need, number one. And listen, these days, we have, my, my wife's sitting here five feet from me. She, can, she knows. And there are other saints we've been here by the Lord's sovereignty with. We've been praying together every day now for, I don't know, 35, 40 days. They all know. We all know. We've prayed for a lot of personal needs. Our daughter, our daughter came down with the virus with corona man we prayed desperately mm. and you know what the lord the lord the lord ended it almost overnight it was almost miraculous we've prayed for uh, brother paul that you won't you know very well i won't name him he's very close to to where you are and he's been in the hospital now for nine weeks with an, uh, an infection that they can't get on top of and an excruciating pain We've prayed for him every day for at least two weeks. And he's better. Mm. He's getting out. He sent me a note. 
and this is just two examples. There's been prayer after prayer after prayer. Financial. We had some financial situations. You know, our income, I'm, we're serving. Our income is related to how often we can keep our house rented out back in California. And you know what? Since the coronavirus, every person that was booked into our house canceled. We prayed. And this person showed up and said, I want to rent your house for two months. I mean, these are personal needs. Mm -hmm. But all of these prayers have come in the context of not just our needs, but you know what? We, we need that finance so that we can continue to serve him here in Europe. Amen. We, right. need our daughter, we need our daughter healed because her house is constantly full of the saints. Mm -hmm. She's caring for an innumerable number. Mm -hmm. We need this brother in the UK to, to get through this because he's got a very, very necessary function in the body. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you put your needs in the context of his needs and that is when prayer really happens. So I mm -hmm. hope this is just a little note mm -hmm. on this matter. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, 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 you have to re-ask this question again. What is God's need? What, what is God's need? You talk about, sometimes we pray, we, we, we ask this question. Oh, the saints will pray, the Lord's move, the all God's needs. What is God's need? God's need is you. It's man. Mm. God needs man. That's it. So when God needs men, it means God even meets the need of men. Because without God meeting the need of men, man cannot meet his need. So it's by his best. So it's normal to pray for your need. If you it's normal to pray for God's need. But every time you pray for God's need, you gotta ask yourself, what is actually his need? You know, one time I was with a bunch of um, pastors, you know, court pastors, and I said, I said to them, God have a need. They nearly beat me up. I said, no, 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 don't say that. The almighty God and this thing, he doesn't have no need. I said, no, no, calm down. So after they argued and calm down and calm down, calm down, they asked me, okay, Paul, what is God's need? I said, he needs you, you. You, you are the biggest frustration to God. You know why? Because <laughs> these pastors, they frustrate God from, from gaining man. Mm. Right? So they don't see God's need. They see their need. And they frustrate God from seeing, uh, uh, from God meeting the need. Saints, to pray for your need is to pray for God's need. Of course. You know, in Matthew 6, it says, do not be anxious for your life, for what you shall eat, what you shall drink. You know, he, he, he says, do not be anxious. Why? When anxiety creeps into our life, then we forget about God's need. You know, but anxiety, like uh, uh, in uh, Philippians 4, that when anxiety is said, he comes in just to occupy you. He, he just occupy you, then you forget that you exist on this earth for God. You understand? Yeah. Oh, so so good. So good to see that saints, we need to pray for his, his need. He have a need. Mm. The biggest need is you, you. He wants you to be transformed. <laughs> he, he wants you to live a life that expresses 
So if it's not getting that, that means there's a shortage of need with God. So we need to pray for one another. Of course, we pray for if we don't have food. It says, do not be anxious. Lord, he himself told us that. Even he feeds the birds. He takes care of this. You know. So we believe his word. Why? Because we are believers. We believe everywhere he says. But still, the enemy comes in and tells you, oh, oh this, you need food. You need this. You need that. So you become so anxious. Then you start forgetting about who God is and just caring for yourself. So I pray that this Amen. young man will realize that, yes, it's not very, very normal to pray. You know, yep. when we got married, I couldn't have children for 10 years. You know, before, you know, couldn't have children for 10 years. Don't tell me that we don't pray for that. We pray. Every <laughs> time we remind, Lord, Lord, another year. Lord, another year. Lord, another year. Until the 10th year, right? Then when he opened, no one can shout. So I have six. He met me. Hallelujah. <laughs> he, he, he is so faithful. God is faithful. Praise Amen. the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we, we kind of have a follow-up to this question. But okay. uh, Brother Bob, did you want to mention anything before we... No, I don't want to cloud it. That was really wonderful sharing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so here's the follow-up, and maybe we can preface, pre present it in this way. You know, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you have the story of faith, mm -hmm. right? And in, uh, you have many cases where the Lord just, he really just took care of so many of his people. You have other cases, though, where you have some who were martyred, uh, some, you know, and, and some who went through many very difficult things. Um, and it seems like in this case, uh, the Lord, uh, in their cases, the Lord was, was silent. So um, the question is, how do you go through a situation where you and even many people are praying for something or someone and and the prayer is not answered or sometimes it seems like the lord is silent or he doesn't answer the prayer in the way that we are asking him to answer how do you how do you deal with that so this can be directed to any of you or all of you i know it's a hard one but it's something that we're facing uh actually we face a lot and um anyway yeah so I'll just leave that with you all bob tackle that <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that that is a, that is a hard question and um uh you know, I, I don't know, just in, in my experience, you know, I, I've, I've wrestled with this, uh, you know, with some frustration, you know, some things um, that I pray um, and, and I, I expected, you know, from, from even when I was uh, very young, uh, you know, prayed certain things and why they didn't happen. Um, but I do, uh, you know, just just in my thought, 
in my consideration. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, God wants to carry out his economy. Um, he wants to bring, he wants to bring this world to an end. Mm. And, and so, um, so my prayers, my prayers need to line up with that, with that goal. Mm. And if my prayers, um, if my prayers don't line up with that goal, um, you know, you start to see some of those don't, don't get answered. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, just like what brother Chris shared, you know, that, you know, that, you know, Lord, you know, we need, we need finances, but we don't need finances. Just, we don't need finances just because we need a new car. Mm -hmm. We need finances because we feel to serve you mm -hmm. uh, here and not take a job. You know, or, you know, or these things. So, you know, even, you know, I, um, you know, I prayed for my wife and I, we prayed for our kids before we came to Germany. My wife kind of made a deal with the Lord that our kids need to all be married before, before we can be released to, to move back to, back to Europe. And so my wife and I, we would pray and we would pray not just for her, but we would pray according to the Lord's economy. We say, Lord, you need couples. You need good marriages. You know, Lord, this is, this is according to your need. And we would pray this way. And we would, we would pray according to the Lord's desire, you know, of, of furthering uh, his economy uh, on, on the earth today. And, and so I think when we, when we pray, when we pray, not, not for our, our selfish needs or our own needs, but we really pray to the Lord according to his desire and according to what he wants. But of course, our needs, like Paul shared, our needs fall into those needs. Hmm. We have needs and the Lord knows our needs, but, you know, even to pray for our friend, you know, our friends to be saved. You know, we can pray for this according to, according to the Lord's desire for all men to be saved. But, but I re really feel like, uh, and then there's just some recalibration, you know, in my prayers that aren't answered. I should expect every one of my prayers to be answered. And, and, and if we pray according to this way, according to the Lord's desire, I believe the Lord wants to answer every one of our prayers. But these prayers that are, are centered around us, um, you know, brothers, you, you, you're, you're, you're going to get married. You need to pray this way. Pray, Lord, for my future wife. Not just for me, not just that I would have a happy life. Believe me, you take care of the Lord and you'll have a happy life. But, but, but to pray, you know, Lord... Lord, I need a helpmate. I need someone to complete me so I can serve you. You know, this is, this is praying according to the Lord's desire, you know, and sisters, same way. Lord, I need, I need, I need my helpmate. Wake him up. Wake him up uh, so that we can serve you. I can only serve you so much as a single person. I, but I think we really need to pray um, according to the Lord's desire in these things and, and in many more things, you know, finances, all these things we can pray because the Lord surely wants to answer our prayers, but we have to lay the tracks.
We have mm-hmm. to pray. Our prayer is the tracks for the yeah. Lord. The Lord's the locomotive and our prayer are the tracks. Yeah. And for that locomotive to move, it needs the tracks to be laid. Amen. 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 Very good. You know, that, that question, the end part is says, uh, can you give us some examples from your life? That's why it says, uh, can we give them some examples from our lives? You know, that means sometimes you pray and the suffering you go to hands and it is becomes so much. You know, like uh, I said earlier, you know, um, to get married is one thing. And to get married and not have children is the biggest suffering in the human life. Wow. You know, if you read the Bible, we talk about many times, you know, the Lord closed the womb or if she was barren and and for us to go through 10 years, you know, a year in and year out and year in, it was one of the biggest suffering in, in, in my human life. You know what I mean? Because you have parents, people asking, waiting, you know, and it's not happening and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't produce it, you can't do anything. but it causes you to trust in the Lord a lot. It just causes you to realize that, listen, apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. You know, one time, an older brother, very older brother, very mature brother, the situation happened, something very serious happened. Then um, I was with this older brother, and then I said, I asked the Lord, Lord, why, why this, why that? You know, and that's what we do all the time. Why, why? You know what he said to me? He said, Paul, never ask the Lord why. You know, the Lord does not owns you any explanation. Wow. How <laughs> will never forget that? He doesn't have to explain anything to you. He's God. He knows better than you do. He understands your situation. <clears throat> He's the only one that knows tomorrow. Thanks. In a situation, we become very desperate. We want the Lord to take away that straight away. Do this, Lord. Do. No, no, no. If we will learn to say, thank you, Lord, in that situation, the, the blessing comes through. Lord, we thank you for this situation. But this is the biggest thing mankind cannot do. To thank the Lord in the midst of the hardship is not a small thing. But it's the biggest lesson. Brother Watchman, he one time said, he says, it says, if you are suffering, and everyone knows you are suffering, that's not a suffering. <laughs> if you are suffering, and that is hidden, no one knows what you go through. Lord, the Lord uses that suffering to help others. So I just thank the Lord so much that, of course, we have such a rich ministry. And, you know, I'm just sorry. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I I want to I want to jump in here and and we're going to go on to a very um a very very serious question. It came in yesterday and you know we we actually had all of our questions laid out that we were going to do tonight. And this question um this question came in and it was just something that we we could not ignore. And so I'm going to I'm going to direct this one towards Brother Bob, and I'm actually just going to read it. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read it. 
Can you can you speak on relationships with someone of the opposite gender? I'm courting with a brother who has several close female friends who he talks with frequently over the phone. One of his female friends he used to have feelings for and pursued in the past. <clears throat> I don't feel at peace with this, but he says I'm being too spiritual. Am I being too spiritual or legal? I really am confused about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, that really, um, I really uh, uh, feel for you, sister. Um, and and it, it really uh, scares me. Um, uh, this this brother that you're talking to, or that you're you're um, courting, um, you know, um, this word number one, the word that you said frequently. Um, he talks frequently. Um, this is this is very worrisome mm -hmm. you know um uh you know if you if you you know walk on a fence around maybe uh on a high fence around something and you walk around it enough times um you're eventually going to lose your balance and fall mm -hmm. and uh um you in, in this situation, this brother is really flirting, um, flirting with something, you know, very, you know, very damaging to, to everything. And, and this is, this is very, um, uh, this is, this is what worries me, you know, in, in a relationship, in a relationship, you know, at the end of the Bible, it's the spirit and the bride, the spirit and the bride, they say, come. Um, you know, there's just one bride and one husband. There's one wedding. And uh, in our relationships, um, you know, our relationships should be with the one, you know, with the one that we want to spend our life with and, and we want to spend our time with and, and frequently spending your time elsewhere is really um, detrimental, is, is really diametrically opposed to this relationship, you know. Basically in a relationship, you know, you start, you start here, you know, you start far apart and as you spend time, you want to spend more and more and more and more time with one another. This is the normal progression you know, of a relationship, you know, I just couldn't, when I got married, I couldn't spend enough time with my wife. That's why I got married is so I could spend all my time with her. I couldn't, I, you know, there wasn't enough time. Uh, I wanted to spend all my time. That's what marriage is. You know, it's a friendship. Uh, um, my wife is my best friend. Um, my wife is the one I talked to. My wife is the one I fellowship with. Um, you know, this is, this is normal and and i i think this brother is is um you know misguided you know that he can he can do both you can't do both you only have one heart and if you split that heart two ways 
you know, and you give, you give part of your heart here and part of your heart there. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. My wife wants my heart. She doesn't want half my heart. Um, you know, of course she, she knows I love the Lord, you know, but she wants my heart. And, and I just say something to you brothers, you know, to you brothers that, you know, we need to keep a proper distance from sisters and especially married brothers, you know, and, and brothers that are serving the Lord that are married. We need to keep our distance. You know, we don't talk too much to them. We don't get too close to them. You know, we're very exercised before the Lord. We can go so far, but then you have to be very, very careful not to go too far um, uh, in this because, because we're all fallen men. Uh, we're all we're 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 a race of fallen people, and 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 you just look outside the world, and you can see you can see it all over the place, but but we're not there. We're in the church. We're in a holy place, and this is uh, um, this is uh, um, this is where this is where we we. Um, we exercise ourselves unto godliness. And this is, brothers, we keep a proper distance from the sisters, um, especially the married brothers. We have to keep a proper distance, uh, you know, and the single brothers too. But, but this notion that you can, have, you can have frequently a very, very close friend that's a female and be courting someone else to get married, um, that's... Uh, that's just a fallacy that 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 is that is not that's not honest it's not true um it won't work um it it you know you just you just consider i just consider my wife you know if my wife decided she wanted to start calling you know one of her old boyfriends and spending time with her with uh on the phone with her old boyfriend you know uh, i i wouldn't deal with that very well um, I, because what's, you know, your heart's for me, my heart's for you. And, and so, so anyway, um, sister, just to answer your question, I, you know, I know it, it was kind of a long answer, but, but I really, you know, I talk to you just like I would my daughter, um, you know, my daughter, I, I'd say, no, this is, this is, this is not being too spiritual. This is, this is your right. Your right is to have is to have a brother who wants you and wants to spend his time with you, not, not with, not with, uh, um, you know, several others, several other good friends. Um, you, you deserve that sister. You deserve that and brothers. You deserve a wife that wants just you as well. Amen. That's maybe you brothers can adjust or add or, Pass it on to Chris. <laughs> I, I feel, honestly, I feel like Bob said exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah. And he's, he's got daughters. I have daughters. I would say exactly the same thing. Yeah. That's not normal. That, sister, that is not normal what he's asking you to do. So he, if he really thinks it's a good thing and would help your relationship, 
have him come and see Bob. <laughs> That's right. You can do that. I would have some words for sure. Bob, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty adamant about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Bob, you can have him come and see me after he sees you and then I'll send him to Paul. <laughs> Good Elam and then to I I, I got five dollars, so <laughs> good enough. Well that's good. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Good. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, brothers, uh we have another question. Uh it's along this line, but it's uh, as Trevor said, this is this is also uh very serious. And uh, this also came in very recently and we felt we needed to include it. So the question is this, I'm just gonna read it as it is and I'm directing it at least initially to brother Chris. Um, the brother I am courting wants to be more sexual and says he can't go on without this. I don't feel right about this, but I also don't want to make him upset. I I wouldn't mind making him upset. I'll start with that. Uh, yeah, this even goes another another degree, Bob. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. I'll try to be succinct. I actually several things come to mind right now that I want to say. Lord, cover me. And the Lord cover. Let me say. I appreciate these two sisters or who that offered these questions. This takes courage. We know this is sensitive. These are hard and it wasn't easy for you. And thank you because this is something that has to be addressed. This must be addressed saints. And this honestly is not the first case of something like this that I've recently encountered. That's why I have quite a bit here, but I'll try not to take too much time and leave opportunity for mm -hmm. the other brothers. <laughs> Excuse me. First, I'll just say, let me just say this clearly, unambiguously. This is never okay. This is never okay. If this brother really loves you, number one, he would never ask you to do something that yeah. you were uncomfortable to do. Mm -hmm. That would, and that would violate your conscience, mm -hmm. which it clearly has just from the way you worded the question. And number three, it would violate the God-given sense of modesty that he built into you. And this is one of the things that just enrages me almost at this age. Not just the looseness, not just the casualness with which this whole thing has taken on, that it's now become purely a recreational activity in the world. And it's becoming a more, uh, um, broadly literally interpreted behavior even amongst believers and even amongst the believers that are in our in our care 
there is something God has put in every female as a protection to her. And that's that, that sense of modesty. And for a brother before marriage <clears throat> ask you <throat> to violate that, <clears throat> this is not the action of someone who has love from you, from God. <clears throat> Honestly, I'll tell you, these qualities in a sister, and now I'm speaking to all the sisters. I'll speak to the brothers some more in a minute. These qualities make you more attractive to the brothers. Yeah. Don't sell yourself cheaply. That's yeah. right. Brothers don't want cheap goods. Mm -hmm. They don't want used cars. Forgive me. Don't sell yourself cheaply. That's not love. This brother needs a lot of help. I really hope he does come. I'm not going to beat him up. I'll, I'll fellowship with him. I will fellowship with him in love, but this brother needs a lot of help. So, sister, this is God's mercy. You could ask this question. Let me tell you something else. I know, I know the pressure and the urgency to get married. Mm -hmm. I understand the last phrase of her question. I don't want to make him upset. I understand mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. that. That that touches my heart. You know why? Because that means this poor this sister is 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 desperate and doesn't want to risk losing this might be the one i don't want to risk losing him even if it makes me feel guilty or uncomfortable maybe i need to do this so i don't lose him you can't think that way you cannot think that way because i'll tell you something about the the person that would say this to you now there's a very high probability of one or two things and i i Brothers, you adjust me if you think this is too much. Paul, Bob? Yeah. There's a very high probability of two things. Mm. A, you are not the first one that he has spoken these words to. Yeah. And B, you will not be the last one. Mm -hmm. Do you understand me? Mm. Yeah. If he's willing to do this now before marriage to you, there's a very likely possibility, at least it's not remote, mm -hmm. that two years, three years, five years, 10 years, mm -hmm. he has allowed himself this kind of looseness. Mm -hmm. He has allowed himself to violate not only your conscience, but his own. Mm -hmm. That could become repeat behavior. I mean it. Now, I say that as somebody who does not have a pristine past. But my past was dealt with. And so can yours be, all of you, brothers or sisters. 
my past was dealt with before the Lord and in his blood. And that has given me the ground for these 48 years to resist the accusations of Satan when they come, and they come. So the Lord has a provision for our past. That is called repentance, confession, and the blood. And once you've received that, regardless of when the past was, before you were saved or after, I don't care. The blood washes all sin. But once you've dealt with that matter, especially in the light of your marriage or potential marriage, you live like a, you live as a virgin unto the Lord. Brothers and sisters, you save yourself from the point of that repentance and cleansing. You save yourself from that point on to present yourself to your mate on your wedding night. Don't cheapen it. Don't sell yourself so cheap. Let me end with this. Let me end with this. There's a verse in 1 Peter. I love the verse. I love the verse. But you know, we almost can't use it anymore or these days because it is so politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read the verse. It's in 1 Peter 3, verse 7. I'm going to read it. And I'm not going to stop over the politically questionable or in today's world, the politically incorrect part. I'm just going to go beyond that and get to the last part because that's where my burdens. Don't get hung up on the politically incorrect part, sisters. Just listen to this verse. It's God's word. It is true. Husbands, in like manner, dwell together with them according to knowledge, as with the weaker female vessel, assigning honor to them, as also to fellow heirs of the grace of life. Amen. That your prayers may not be hindered. Mm -hmm. The part I want to focus on here is fellow heirs of the grace of life and assigning honor. Sisters, do you know what that word, that phrase means in Greek, assigning honor? The word honor there actually in Greek is preciousness. Mm. Assigning preciousness to them. Listen, sisters, you are precious. You're a treasure. You're a precious treasure. And when you start seeing yourself in that light, which is God's light, you will become much more precious in the sight of the brother who will fall in love with you. And brother, you need to treat her as if she's precious. Don't you dare ask her to violate her conscience for some 
fleshly, lustful, passing moment. Don't do that. Don't do that, brothers. Treasure her. She's precious. Assign her preciousness. And sisters, assign it to yourself because it's true in the eyes of God. And if you do, that will make it more true in the eyes of your husband. And brothers, I'll tell you what makes you more attractive. When your conscience is also functioning and you live in the light, that makes it so easy for your wife to submit to you. When I'm not in the light, I have to drag out Ephesians 5. What about submitting to your husband? And as we've heard before many times, it's terrible for me to say that at that point in time because to her, I've got the head of a turtle. Yeah. But when I'm living in the light, when my conscience before the Lord is clear, when he has now headed me up, I am most attractive to my wife. And, and it is effortless for her to submit to me. So, saints, this is, I'm sorry if this was too harsh. I love you. I care for you. I won't be mean to you, I promise. I'll I'll try to fellowship. I will fellowship in love. But this kind of this kind of path that many are seems like are going down, even in the in the Lord's recovery, even in the churches. This this will damage God's interests on the earth because it will doom marriages to almost certain failure or at least difficulty. And the last thing I'll say is this, sisters. I know how hard it is. I believe me. I fellowship with a lot of sisters that are still single and they're desperate. And I feel terrible and I pray for them. And the Lord recently took care of one that was really on my heart. It was wonderful. I know, I know, I get it. But I will say this. There are some things in life that are worse than being single. And I don't want to see you settle for something like that because of just desperation. So you're in our, you're in our hearts, dear saints. You're in our prayers over these things. We know how hard it is, and we know the, the tide of this age. I think maybe I stop here. Very good. Amen. 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 Brothers, would uh, you like to add to that, or no? But it, but it, Chris just nailed, just nailed it. Amen. Yeah, I feel the same. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, nobody ever said that the fireside chat wouldn't have some real talk in it. Um. We're gonna we're gonna kind of transition a little bit a little bit actually, um, and this this question I'm gonna I'm gonna aim it towards Brother Paul. It's a very short question. Yeah. Um, can you can you provide fellowship mm -hmm. about addictions and how mm -hmm. I can overcome them? 
It's a pretty, it's a pretty broad, uh, addictions can be a lot of things, obviously, mm -hmm. but, um, this person is in, uh, I think a desperate situation to find mm -hmm. out how to overcome these addictions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, one time, I mean, many years ago, so many years ago, um, I had, I asked some early brother, very mature, again, talk to the mature brothers and ask him. Then I said to him, I said to him, brother, I don't like doing certain things, but why do I do them? You know what I mean? I don't like them. I don't like to do these things. Nobody likes to do certain things. But why do I do them? You know the answer? That have kept, that was 1983. Why do I remember this? Because that was the simple answer that helped me to today. You know what he said? He said, Paul, the reason why you do those things is because you like to do them. The reason why you do them is you just love doing them. Addiction is something that you love doing them. You just love to do them. You, you understand? But he said, he said, but then you need to stop and ask yourself, why are you doing this? And what I'm doing is damaging me. You understand? So the simple way and the, the way to overcome addiction is to be, it's like, it's like I work one time in, a, in one of the hospitals where they bring all these guys that have addiction and all these, have all these drug problems. I work there. You know, they don't have another life. So they keep doing it until it damages them. But we have received another life. And how do you overcome addiction is by opening that part of your being to the Lord all the time. Bringing that part of your, of your looseness or your weakness to the Lord. Lord, yeah. I have to, you have to admit that I have a problem. Sometimes you don't admit that you have a problem, but you got to come to a point in your life where you stop and say, man, I have a problem. This is yeah. a problem. And the Lord is waiting. It's waiting. It's waiting until you hit the wall. And then it, Lord, okay, I have a problem. So to overcome addiction, have got to do number one is you. You have to admit that you have a problem. Then you go to the Lord and open your heart to the Lord. I hate what I'm doing. I hate it. You know, that addiction becomes your own enemy. Why? Because that thing is damaging you. Okay. So, honestly, saints, we can pray for you. Even if I know you have such an addiction, we can pray for you. But if you, the brother or the sister, or whoever have that addiction, don't open up to the Lord. But it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not how much we pray for you. It's how much you yourself deal with it before the Lord. Amen. So I think that's all I have to say. You know, it's got to do with you. It's, it's you. And only you know what's going through you. And only you know how to confess to the Lord and open that part of your being to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Bob.
move it. Yeah, I, um, the, the verse that comes to me is Romans 8, you know, the mind mm. set on the mind. The, Amen. mind set on the flesh is death, but the mm. mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Mm. And, and our mind, I, I like what Paul said, we have to open, open, open this to the Lord, even mm. desperately, Lord, take this away. Take away this desire, this uh, you know, this 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 leaning to this way. Even the like, even liking to do this, mm. take this away from me, Lord. Mm. You know, and then uh, then the mind. You know, our mind is really so key. Mm. You know, you have to nip it, nip it at the bud because it comes as a thought mm. and then that thought becomes something you dwell on mm. and then as you dwell on that thought that that actually um uh leads you to an action to do mm. something you know so so it's just at the start at the start you have to nip it right when it starts the mindset on the spirit is life. Mm. You know, just to, to set your mind, you know, to call someone. Um, uh, you know, these, just don't let it, don't let it take any root in, in your thinking. When it comes up, the desire or whatever it is, when it comes up, that's the time to turn. And if you can't turn, call a brother or um, we need one another you know, and, and really open to the Lord that the Lord could, you know, it just depends on the degree. Certain things you just have to flee. Absolutely. Mm, 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 mm. You know, these things that damage you, these things you have to, you have to mm. flee from, mm. Uh, mm. you know, just get out of there. Don't, don't, don't consider it. Don't, play with it mm -hmm. um but but some of the other things you know um some other things that are just addictions as well you know even like gaming you know mm. kind of stuff lord lord save me from this mm. uh, um from this from this addiction take away mm. my desire for this mm. you know i believe the more we open the lord will the Lord will begin to operate and take this away from you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let me say a little short add-on here. I'm, uh, I appreciated. I mean, both Paul and Bob are exactly right. You have to. You have to open. You have to be desperate. But mm. Bob, you referred to degree, the matter of degree. Yeah, I, I want to come back to that for a second because when you sense it beginning to happen. Mm. we we get a warning we get a warning we we we're, we were more aware than we would like to admit that's the time mm. like you say nip it in the bud right there but let's say you're well past that point and you mm. actually are enslaved to mm -hmm. this thing. enslaved yeah. in addition to your desperate crying prayer which is number one do not be afraid to get some help mm. Even professional help. Mm. There is such a there's such an epidemic. It's it, this is the real pandemic. 
mm. on the earth today. Mm. Addiction. And there are there are there is some help out there. Now, without the Lord, I don't have that much trust in it. Mm -hmm. But if you are really desperate, I believe the Lord can use uh, some of these. And there are there are even saints to help you might need. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Reach out. Reach don't out. Write this on your own. Get help. First help from the saints, and then there may be some even professional help that would, that would, that would Amen. go a long way to getting you free. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I mean, this, that's really helpful, especially um, bringing in the aspect of getting professional help. Um, I, I actually have a follow-up question that I was just considering while you brothers were answering this. And it has to do with, you know, a lot of times uh, we'll listen to messages where the brothers will say the flesh never goes away. Mm -hmm. It never changes. It actually gets worse. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, with, that, with that in mind, when it comes to certain struggles that we have, should we as believers actually think that we're going to overcome this thing? Like it's, it's going to go away permanently or are there certain things that you brothers could maybe address that this is, this is never going to go away. It's just something that you need to flee from. Mm. Is there a difference? If mm. you know what I mean? Well, it, it's not going to go away because so, so long as you have the flesh and, uh, and Brother Lee one time said this, and he says, uh, even uh, the older you get, the stronger your flesh is. And when he said this, I was a young man that time. And now I'm, I'm getting, I'm 70, okay. It was a little over 70. And I realized it's the same truth. It, it, that thing would never get better. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. You can't improve it. You can't, you can't work. The only thing that can overcome the flesh is your mind. Mm. I, like, I like the simple verse, you know, but Bob just mentioned Romans 8, 6. It, it's all here. It's all here. It's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. Oh, how much I love my spirit. <laughs> I cook only one meat, beef. One beef I cook, spirit. The spirit overcomes everything. Saints, when we learn to exercise our spirit, you overcome to overcome the flesh overcome yourself overcome the temper overcome the lust it's all in the spirit in the spirit sense it will come it, it's not going to stop coming it's going to come but praise the lord for the provision the lord made for us that provision is our human spirit every time that thought comes you need to learn to exercise to call Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Saints, we will be calling until we call him back. Yeah. We will never graduate from calling upon him again because that flesh is still there. Saints, it's still there. So I just thank the Lord for the name. Amen. There is power in that name. Amen. There is salvation in that name. Saints. The more we call, the more we are relieved from all these things. 
May the Lord continue to strengthen us. Amen. That, that name will never depart from our mouth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There, there was a older brother that uh, that I fellowship with when I first when I first got saved. And uh, this older brother, his statement was, he says, um, feed the white dog and starve the black dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's just what Paul says, you know, you feed, how do you feed the white dog? You call Lord Jesus. Amen. You, know, you exercise. Yeah. And, and eventually that, that black dog starts to get weaker and weaker. That's right. That's it doesn't, right. It doesn't leave, but it is. it just gets weaker and weaker yeah. and weaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's still there, but, <laughs> but eventually the white dog is so strong. You know, your spear is so strong. So that, strong. That, 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 has no, that has no hold on you anymore. Amen. You Amen. know, at a, at a weak point, you know, something may come back, but, but it's, it's too weak. It has no, no strength over you anymore. Amen. Amen. Just about a couple of weeks ago, or last week, I, I had some time of fellowship uh, with a young brother, and he had a big, big weakness, in addition in certain things, you know. And the thing was damaging him and damaging him. And then the phone rang, it was this guy. Then he said, Brother Paul, I would like to fellowship with you. So he opened up. Honestly, that was his salvation. Salvation was he had to open up. <laughs> you can only get help when you open up. You know? And yeah. honestly, we had a wonderful time of fellowship. I mean, he had, he, he, we hung the phone. I bet we touched the throne of grace. We did. Yeah. We did touch the throne because there was a flow of life. And he sensed peaceful when he hung the phone. James, yeah. you got to open to the Lord. And not only open to the Lord, you need someone to talk to. You know, you got to physically be with a brother. Open yeah. to some certain brothers who have the maturity to help you. Amen. So praise the Lord for the body. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brothers. Um, yeah. So we're coming up to the tail end of, of our time together. Yeah. Um, this is one of the final questions. And um, I, I'm actually directing it to all three of you to just ask if you could, each of you could share an experience along this line. Uh, the question is, I've heard it said that sufferings cause us to grow and mature in the divine life. Has this been your experience? Can you give us some examples from your life? So, whoever, whosoever will. <laughs> if, if I start, I will not stop, so I, I get quiz to go. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, um, there's, you know, a verse that says, precious are the tears. Mm. Saints, the Lord counts them. 
Yeah, sometimes we really do get put in a spot. Mm. There's just nothing that we can do but weep. Mm. And the Lord counts each one of those tears. He's not mm. trying to hurt us. He's not trying to hurt us. Mm. Suffering got sown into the human existence all those thousands of years ago. When, when, when Satan in, injected himself into mankind, mm. Mm. suffering got sown into mm. all of us. But listen, here's the thing. Just suffering for the sake of suffering mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't gain you anything. Because look at the whole world suffers. Mm -hmm. suffers. Man, haven't you, haven't, you know, you see these stories uh, or hear them or read them, you know, if you, if you see the news or on the news sites, uh, these people that have lost these dear ones in this current, you know, pandemic. It's not a pleasant death. It's a very, very tough death. And it, it leaves pay, people in just utter, utter pain and agony. Now, some of them are our, our brothers and sisters, mm. and just worldly people. The point is, just because we're believers doesn't mean we get, we're going to all get spared from this, this disease. Mm. We could get it, right? We could get it. We probably know people that have had it. Yeah. So suffering comes on all mankind. It's what, ha what we're able to do with that suffering. And what... It's the same answer, actually, as the one we just got from Brother Paul on how to deal with these addictive things. Mm. You have to do the same thing. You have to take those tears to him and let him be the ointment. Mm. We have to let him, you know what ointment is. When you're a kid and you go outside and you play and you fall down and you trip on your roller skates and you scrape your knee on the sidewalk and you come in and you're crying and bawling and your mom says, I'll come up here. I'll, I'll take care of it. She rolls your pant leg up and she gets some salve out of the medicine cabinet and she just gently rubs it over you while she's comforting you, right? Simple story, simple analogy. You know what? I love that analogy. You know why? Because I've had that salve applied to me many times when I just had no way out. Every time I thought about it, the tears come, the pain comes. I just, you know, I remember when my father died, I was just 30 years old. He just, uh, we, I, there were so many things I'd been planning to say to him, so many. And he just, he had just retired. He was a 65. And he just at lunch one day, he came on, made a sandwich and just whoop, at the table. That was it. No warning, no advance. Saints, I, I, I was so wounded. It hurt so bad. It hurt so bad. 
because I and what so hurt me so much was the things I never said. The things that I knew I should have said, even the Lord was urging me to say. I play guitar. I play guitar. I've always played. I mean, I've been playing since I was a little kid. And shortly before he died, I don't know why, I recorded a, a whole CD of hymns. I had a multi-track recorder. This is back in the old days when it was all on tape, real tape. And I made a multi-track recording and I played about three parts on the guitar and it was all hymns. And I, and I, I, gave, I made a cassette of it and I gave it to him and he came down the last, and it was all one of the last times I saw him. And he just told me, he says, he said, boy, this is just, I've just been crying when I've been listening to this. My dad was not a crier. He was a tough guy. And I knew right then I had a chance to speak. I just had that in my heart to make that tape and give it to him. And he just loved it. He just loved it. And I knew the Lord opened the door and I did not speak. And then when he was gone, all I could think of was that. And I, I, saints, I, even now I have to be careful. I'm going to need some more. I'm going to need some more salve here in a minute. Because it still hurts. Mm. But the Lord became something to me during that time. And he has since been that to me many times. And saints, that is part of the transformation process. Mm. Mm. So don't think you just tough it out. Just because you're hurting, it's okay. No, get the salves. Get the ointment, because that ointment is Christ himself. And I, this is not just a doctrine. This is not just a spiritual story. It's really when he can add himself in large measure to our being. Cry the tears. He's counting them. Just be, may they be tears to him. Not just tears of self-pity. Mm. Cry out to him. Cry to him. Lord, these tears are for you. Mm. Amen. 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 That means he knows. Whenever you're going through suffering, he knows. You understand? Understand? Anyway, mm -hmm. praise the Lord. Uh, sometimes in my travels, you know, I will visit some places in Africa and some villages. Now, talk about suffering. My goodness. But when these saints, even though they don't have, they go through all the hardship, when they exercise their spirit, oh, it's so fresh and living, you know. So suffering actually, in a sense, helps us to touch the Lord, to enjoy the Lord. We don't go looking for suffering. No, 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 no. We don't go looking for suffering. No. But if you have to go through, then he's always there. He's one spirit with you. You know, he is there. He, he, he intercedes on your behalf. He strengthens you to go through. And that becomes one that becomes a fresh experience that when someone is going through the same thing, 
You know, I, I tell you, thing. my wife is right here, so I can say, when we couldn't have children for many years, it was so much suffering and suffering and suffering. Then after we had children, and uh, one time a brother came to me, he, he know I have six kids, you know, so wow. So they've just been married for, I think, three years. And, you know, he wasn't having children, nothing was happening. Then uh, I had a drive with him, he dropped me at the airport. He said, but Paul, I, have, I want to have some time of fellowship. We talked and he says, you know, Brother Paul, you know, you know, we've been married for three years. And, you know, he talked, talked after he spoke for a long time. I said, well, brother, you only waited for three. I waited for 10. That was salvation. He just said, what? You mean you waited? I said, yeah. So that comforted him a lot because I was speaking something that I have gone through the same thing. He honestly, now they have, of course, they got kids now. And my point is, the law takes you through certain situations that you can go through to help others. You know, that one day when you open your mouth, my goodness, you are full of life that you can shepherd others. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 You know, I'm trying to, trying to consider which one to share um uh and uh you know because you know you have sufferings i had sufferings from my business um sufferings uh in in my family and sufferings in the church life and uh i think i i just share a suffering in the church life and um you know uh i went through uh um you know, in the, in the, in, in our relationship, um, with the brothers that we're close to, um, you know, because we're different people as we coordinate together, um, there just, there just begins to be some, uh, um, some rub, you know, some disagreements, some problems. And, um, and there was something happening in a locale, in a place, church where I was at. And, uh, and I just didn't agree with it at all. And, uh, and, and I felt, I felt like, um, uh, I really had, um, I really had, uh, I, I felt like I was, I was, I was speaking uh um the lord's i was i was one with the lord and uh and as i pursued this way you know the suffering got a little more intense and and it didn't even not and then we we got through the situation but then but then um about a year later this situation came back and my realization was that my opinion and the expression of my opinion was the expression of Satan. Hmm. You know, that my, that my opinion there, I had no, I, I just, I just should have said amen. Hmm. But it was, it was the suffering that opened me 
but it was later the Lord was able to come in and speak something to me to show me that 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 your opinion your opinion you value it so highly but actually the Lord doesn't value your opinion so highly that your opinion even even you know I just felt like my opinion was the opinion of, of Peter uh, when the Lord said, get behind me, Satan, mm-hmm. you know, the Peter offered his opinion, Lord, you don't need to go to the cross. And the Lord says, get behind me, Satan. Um, so this suffering was in my suffering, in my dealings with the brothers and sisters, realizing that it was not my place. My place was just to say, amen. amen. My place was not to express my place was not to express my opinion. Mm. And, and, and this, this uh, uh, still comes back to me, you know, in, in, in my church life today, that, 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 that we, we, we can express our feeling, but, but most of the times we just need to say amen. And, and this, this has been, this suffering works something into me to realize that, that my, uh, my value of my opinion really was, was, was uh, um, slashed, was weakened, was, mm-hmm. was to not be so free in the next time for these things to come. So mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know if that's so clear, but. But, uh, but these sufferings work things out in us where the Lord can speak something to us that he wouldn't otherwise be able to speak. Mm-hmm. So the suffering softens. You know, we're just so strong, you know, in our way, but the Lord has to bring a little suffering just to, just to soften us so we can receive his speaking. Mm. Amen. Amen. Very good. Amen. Um, I hope this is helpful to everyone. I, I know it's, it's helpful to me. Um, yeah. can I, can I just ask, I'm, I have one more question and, uh, and then we actually have some announcements that I have to be honest, you don't want to miss. Hmm. Uh, let's first do this last question. Cause I think it's very, very interesting. Yeah. And this last question I want to, I, I think, I think, Brother Paul is perfect for this question. So I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read it. Okay. Oh, man. How can those of us who are in the church life in Africa participate in the Lord's up-to-date move on the earth? There's a lot of fellowship in the ministry about the direction of the Lord's move toward Europe and the Middle East. What part can Africa play in that well, <laughs> I wish um, I wish I can have this brother's um, email address or telephone number secretly, and then uh, whenever the next time I get to Africa, I can carry him around. And we <laughs> well, you know, at one point, the Lord moves in so many directions, right? So a certain point in the Lord's move. The focus will be a certain time, a certain place. So, a certain time, the loss is moving right here, here in Europe. I live here in London. The Lord is moving, 
the reason why the focus was 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 here in Europe was the damage that was caused during the rebellion. You know, in the, in the 80s, in the 1988, 89, 90, the recovery went through a tumor here in Europe. And so many saints were damaged. Everything was ruined. So the Lord had to start another work. I mean, I remember Brother Lee, you know, in the world situation, that book, he said, the Lord had to really do something in Europe. So the focus at that time was here, right? And honestly, I was right here when the damage was caused. You know, we, when the last time Brother Lee came to, um, to Germany in 1984, there was close to about a thousand in that, in that, in that, in that conference in Stuttgart. After the rebellion, there was only 60 of us left in this uh, continent. So the Lord had to rebuild Europe again, have to start all over again working here in this country. Okay, that doesn't mean he doesn't care for the other countries. <laughs> he honestly loves Africa. So I'll just give you a start. From 1999, from 1997, before Bradley went to be the, with the Lord, there was only about four countries in Africa that have the testimony, have the Lord's table, have the churches there, but today there are almost 27 countries. So I think the Lord is moving. <laughs> wow. Today we have close to 27 countries in Africa. My goodness. This is something else. So the Lord is moving. You know, the focus, even we never have the, uh, the international training for elders, the ITERO, ever before. But last year, 2018, we have the ITERO in Africa for the first time. That means the Lord is moving. <laughs> so today, I wish I can meet this young man somewhere one day. I wish. Man, I don't know where he is. Wherever he is, if he's listening, man, you give my name uh, to this brother. I would like to contact him. Uh, when everything, all the dust settle and we start traveling again, I will look for the country he is. Saints. God want to gain the whole earth. Amen. You know, his goal is the earth. The earth is the Lord. Okay. But at certain time, he had to work at certain place, at certain time. You know, so when they said the direction was Europe, doesn't mean that he doesn't care for the rest of, of, the, of, the, right. of the continent. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It was the need. There was a big need here. And honestly, today we have close to about 5,000 saints in Europe. It's exactly the same. Today we have close to about 5,600 saints in Africa. So it's the same, it's the same work. <laughs> so the Lord is moving in all the direction on his earth today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Right, now, now when you talk like this, you just tear my spirit up now, you know. I, I've got more energy to talk about two days now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, praise the Lord for his move. Amen. So, I mean, just reassure this young man that, my goodness, many, many saints don't know what's going on in Africa. Many, many, many saints. Yesterday, we had uh, all the co-workers serving in Africa, but, uh, you know, Brother James, Brother Carly, Brother Steve Watts, and all these brothers, we had a Zoom call. Guess how many? We had almost 80 brothers join in, join in from Africa. 80. 
God is showing you from all of Africa, from South Africa, from West Africa, from East Africa, from North Africa. So the Lord is moving, saints. He's doing something special. Recently, Living Stream just gave us 100 foot container books. Yeah, at one point in Ghana, our goal is now is to get the ministry book into every home. You know, every home, that means every home will have a book from the ministry, including Old Moon Revival. <laughs> oh, man. Saints, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So just reassure this young man that um, the Lord is doing something special in Africa. Amen. Amen. So, so one day, who never knows, I'll, I'll meet this young man. I said, oh, you asked that question, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. Brothers, I just have to tell you a hidden desire of mine. For several years, and Paul knows we talk about this many times. I just like to follow Paul around and carry his suitcase through Africa. Oh. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, Chris, you know the first time we had um, the uh, the radio program in Malawi, yeah. so many years ago, we had a, the. I know. Now then we got some contacts, right? Contacts. Okay. Yeah. Then everything freezes out. There was we we couldn't go back again. But then all of a sudden, boom, right now we have close to two hundred saints in Malawi. How about that, man? Okay. Only God can do things like this. Yeah, you promised me before. You promised I'm me all this. to take me to Malawi. I'm gonna hold you Listen, to it. Before we get raptured. Grace, okay. we be going to. <laughs> <laughs> we better go pretty soon, Paul. We better go pretty soon. <laughs> hey, brothers. Brothers, do we have time Time for a quick story? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, sure, sure. I, I hope the briefcase that, that Paul is, or, or that Chris is carrying has me in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my intention is I'm going to get in the briefcase and then, okay, go, go ahead, brother Paul. Well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start the story, but Paul's going to finish it. Oh, okay. so, so Paul and another dear brother, uh, that, that went to be with the Lord, um, brother yeah. Ben, brother Ben, they went to Africa and they were invited to uh, a radio station to begin. Well, that was the radio station, Chris. That was in Malawi. <laughs> oh, Malawi. <laughs> okay, I set you up. You can finish the no, story. No, you go ahead. You start it. <laughs> no, you you tell it the best. No, no, you started it. So you know something about that. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay, to cut a long story short. <laughs> Here we are, we went to the radio station and uh, they invited us. Man, we, we took uh, a demo tape from Grace, from their live study, took it to the radio station. The guy played the, 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 the tape. He said, man, who spoke this? Who, you know, who is this guy? So the next time he invited us to the radio station. So we sat there and we started to talk about a lot of things. Then he asked, are, are you um, a pastor? You know, are we guys pastors? I said, no, no, I'm not. He went up, Ben, he said, no, I'm not. So, but what are you? So, well, 
this guy drive the bus and I, I cook the dinner. Is <laughs> 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 that, that, you know, I said, sir, I want your title, title, you know, title. It means you are the right reverend or left reverend or archbishop or you know, something. <laughs> he wanted a title. I said, no, 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 this guy is a bus driver. This guy, he drives the bus. Then, you know what he says? But who taught you this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Who taught you all these things? Right? And the whole, that was on the national radio. The mm. national radio. Now, yeah. so the guy asked, so where are you staying? So we gave him the address of this, the, uh, the hotel we were staying. But Chris, within a short yeah. time when we got back to the hotel, it was piled up. They were looking really? for the cook, the cook and the bus driver. <laughs> the cook and the bus driver. And they, and they weren't looking for you to cook them a meal or for Ben to drive them around, right? Oh, and they <laughs> came one, pastor, one pastor came, Chris, honestly. The guy came, and we opened the, the, uh, the Bible, you know, the footnote in the Ecclesiastes. Yeah. You know, the God put uh, eternity in man's heart. Hmm. We read that and prayed it. Yes. The guy said, can I, can I have your Bible? <laughs> Oh, it was one of the most glorious, glorious. Oh, man. I know. Please don't bring back the memory. So, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Listen, Trevor, I'm sorry. I'm getting quite a bit older, so you've got to lighten that suitcase if I'm going to carry it around. I couldn't carry it with Trevor. You better give me a little one. Your little okay, one. Okay, all right, and I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> Anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, brothers, so thank you so much for uh, for for being being with you guys all. Yeah. Was good. I, I honestly enjoyed it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Amen. <laughs> you need to try to get a little more. You need to try to get a little more animated next time. This was kind oh, of. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, really, I really have one thing to repent for this evening, brothers, and that is the fact that I did not ask an no, African question at the very beginning. I feel, like we, I feel like we really needed to ask that question to get Brother Paul going, and I feel like now he can go for like a couple more hours. No. <laughs> we, should have, we should have asked at the beginning. Um, That's okay. We, we're, we're Maybe another with, time. Another time, I'll just give the history. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, I guess Brother Paul just said that he's coming back, so that's great. Oh man! <laughs> oh my! <goodness. laughs> it's, it's it's Brother Chris' fault. You know, he always put me into trouble. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs>